So, welcome to QuackCast 41. You, acupuncture, and the military. I get several complaints about the QuackCast. The first is the intro, so I'm not doing the intro anymore. The second is I bitch too much about how George W. destroyed both the economy and the military of the country, and I should get over it. Sorry, never will. And then I get occasional emails. Now... I have over 2,000 emails in my Gmail account, existing, I think, primarily to give me a feeling of guilt. I get few, if any, critical emails about either my writings or podcasts. I do not know why. Probably because them what believe in scams are neither readers nor listeners, in both senses of the words. I am at some level somewhat envious of Peter Bowditch over at ratbags.com because he really gets the emails from the wackaloons. Not that everyone who disagrees with me is a wackaloon. I do get the occasional insightful critique of my work. For example, this reader slash listener sent in the following shortly after a different version of this podcast was published over at Science-Based Medicine. Quote, Chris Lipp, I have read your podcasts. I find them offensive, libel, as well as slander. When you decide to make a post about something, you need to get your facts straight before making statements which you know nothing about. You are supposed to be a scientist, as you claim, but you contradict this very statement with posts that show you have absolutely no knowledge or experience with what you are saying. Get it right or refrain from such obvious biased posts. End quote. I've been doing these podcasts now for five years reviewing the published medical literature on supplements, complementary and alternative medicine, henceforth called scams, and never ever has a proponent of a scam sent me a specific example of where I have gotten my facts wrong on a medical paper. They always say I'm wrong, but they never exactly tell me where or what I am in error with. In that respect, my critics have been consistent. Now, I think... The writer means libel us and slander us. Now, it is my understanding that libel refers to the written, and the writer says he has read my post. However, slander refers to the spoken word. And so that my reader is no longer in error, I give you a spoken version with updates. Actually, this podcast is neither libel us or slander us, it is going to be a review of the literature that supports the use of acupuncture as described by the you doctors. And since what I say is true, it can be neither libel us or slander us. Who are the you docs? The Y-O-U are in all caps, so I suppose I should shout it, but that would make for a tedious podcast. For those of you, small y, small o-u, who are unaware, they are doctors Mehmet Oz and Mike Roizen, authors of books about you and a weekly newspaper called the You Doctors. It's all about you. Now, there are two areas of knowledge where I have more than passing understanding, infectious diseases and scams. It always concerns me that when I read nonsense in the few areas where I have some expertise, then I have to wonder about the validity of other information in the paper, like, you know, war and economy, important stuff. 
It could be argued that since the U-Docs are in the How We Live section, the same section that carries horoscopes, the movie and television reviews, the weather report, the fiction section, that perhaps it should not be taken seriously. After all, the U-Docs is usually adjacent to the people's pharmacist, and my father always told me that you can judge a person by the company they keep. Recently, the U-Docs had a column in our local paper, the Oregonian, with the headline, Research Backs Acupuncture for a Range of Ills. Or fiction? Research Backs Acupuncture? News to me, but they are, after all, U-Docs, and therefore may have information not accessible to mere docs with a small d. Now, I will grant up front to the authors that it is hard to be rigorous or even coherent in a 450-word essay. A newspaper column is not the place for careful exposition on the nuances of the medical literature. This podcast is about 5,000 words, and I will probably get distracted. Squirrel! Part of the problem with a 450-word essay is there are no references, so I will have to assume that I found the correct research mentioned by hints in the text. I would hope that they would get the basics right. If I were to be a reader of Tale of Two Cities and then be told it was a primer in support of guillotining, I would wonder if they had read the text correctly and therefore would wonder about the intellectual rigorousness of the discussion. The Udocs start with the requisite appeal to antiquity. Quote, Acupuncture has been around a long, long time. Archaeologists have unearthed 5,000-year-old stone needles in Inner Mongolia. End quote. If it's old, it must be efficacious, right? People would not use ineffective treatments for centuries, would they? This, of course, assumes that the Chinese and other ancient healing modalities had at their disposal an organized, consistent way to keep track of data to judge the efficacy of a therapy. But I have yet to see the translation of an ancient Chinese text with the words randomized, placebo, case control, or p-value in them. While the use of acupuncture may stretch into antiquity, clinical and epidemiologic studies from ancient times are non-existent. Ancients only had anecdotes to guide them, and if there's no lesson to be learned from this podcast, always remember that the three most dangerous words of medicine, especially when applied to the efficacy of a therapy, remain in my experience. One indirect way to evaluate the benefits of acupuncture in Chinese medicine could be the general life expectancy of a population. In 1900, it was 30 years. Good job, traditional Chinese medicine. Now life expectancy is 71. Huh, I wonder why. Quote, this can be attributed to the advancement of science and technology, especially medical science, end quote, said Zhao Baohua, vice director of the China Association for Aged People. Goodness gracious, great balls of fire. Reductionist Western medical science more than doubling life expectancy. If only they had relied on acupuncture, perhaps population control would not have become such an important issue in the People's Republic. As an aside, I can find nothing but secondary references about the 5,000-year-old needles being used for acupuncture. How it is ascertained that these needles were not used for sewing and were in fact used for acupuncture, I cannot discover. Was there like a 5,000-year-old package inserts? 
and I can find one argument that these 5,000-year-old needles were actually scalpels and not used for acupuncture, but for the drainage of pus. Someone sent me a picture from the 5,000-year-old Iceman found in Switzerland. It looks like even the Smithsonian will perpetuate this sort of nonsense. The 5,000-year-old corpse had tattoos on his ankle, and the text with the photographs in the Smithsonian says, quote, The locations of the tattoos are very similar to acupuncture points for treating arthritis, end quote. I suppose if 5,000 years from now they were to dig up a collection of well-preserved hipsters from today with tattoos everywhere, that the conclusion would be that everybody was medicinally tattooed to mark their acupuncture sites, and that the barbed wire was a marker of acupuncture. Thank God they didn't find square plastic glasses on the Iceman. They would have concluded that he had no fashion sense. No, wait, that would be a reasonable conclusion. Eudox proceed. Quote, But we like this popular form of energy medicine because it is backed by an impressive body of 21st century research. Energy medicine? Yes, it seems to change the electric currents or nerve impulses in your body. End quote. That is what I like about alternative medicine. Lack of consistency in terminology. Usually the term energy therapy refers to energies that no one has ever measured, not altering nerve conduction. The NCCAM definitions are as good as any. Energy therapies involve the use of energy fields. There are two types. Biofields are intended to affect energy fields that purportedly surround and perpetuate the human body. The existence of such fields has not yet been scientifically proven. Some forms of energy therapy manipulate biofields by applying pressure or manipulating the body by placing the hands in or through these fields. Examples include Qigong, Reiki, and therapeutic touch. Bioelectromagnetic-based therapies involve the unconventional use of electromagnetic fields, such as pulse fields, magnetic fields, or alternating current or direct current fields." End quote. Usually, I do not think of nerve impulses being part of energy therapy, but hey, that's just me. They are the U-Docs. They are not bound by mundane definitions loved by pedants like me. I'm also surprised that the Eudocs did not note that since all matter is energy, they would toss in an E equals MC squared to show that yes, they were altering the energy, because life is energy. So as I am given to understand the Eudocs, the mechanism of action of acupuncture is to alter nerve impulses. It would also suggest then that that cause of diseases treated by acupuncture is due to altered nerve impulses. Or perhaps the acupuncturist is treating symptoms and not the underlying disease? Nah, that's what us real docs are supposed to be doing. All these diseases are treated by one intervention that alters nerve conduction. And I thought aspirin was the wonder drug that works wonders. I guess the docs have a different understanding of physiology than I learned in school. What is the data to support the effect of acupuncture on diseases and symptoms by altering nerve conduction? Certainly the ancient Chinese did not do that. It would be simple enough. Pick a disease or a symptom. Nerve impulse is measured before the treatment. You give acupuncture. There's resolution of the disease or symptom. Nerve impulse alters. That Hill's criteria we talked about last podcast. There is one study, small, that demonstrates this effect in diabetic neuropathy. 
However, it was small, retrospective, unblinded, and not placebo-controlled. And half the patients had immediate improvement of their symptoms before any change was found in nerve conduction studies, putting cause and effect under deep suspicion. In all other acupuncture studies, there are about as many biased studies to support its use for peripheral neuropathy as not. But the simple temporal relationship that would suggest a cause and effect does not exist for any other process treated by acupuncture. By the way, electroacupuncture does not count as acupuncture for the purpose of this discussion. That is not acupuncture as defined in this article. To the best of my understanding, the ancient Chinese lacked D-cells. In real medicine, we call it TENS, transcutaneous electrical nerve stimulation, and it is a well-established treatment. To call TENS acupuncture, which they often do, is a wee bit disingenuous. But consistency of definition is not a strong point of the UDOCs. The UDOCs go on, quote, This therapy involves inserting hair-thin needles into specific points on the body to treat countless problems, ranging from easing chronic pain and insomnia to reducing the side effects of cancer treatments and helping smokers quit. End quote. So much that nerve conduction does, huh? Note specific points. The consistent result of recent acupuncture studies is that the effects of the acupuncture do not depend on where the needles are placed or even if the needles break the skin. I realize that this is a short article, but we are only into a few paragraphs and it appears that the UDOCs lack a good command of the literature concerning acupuncture. I may be picky, but precision of understanding is important in medicine and represents precision of thought. You wouldn't want to have your, oh, I don't know, heart surgeon say, yeah, we're going to bypass some artery somewhere in your chest somewhere. You want him to be specific that he's bypassing your left main. As to smoking cessation, not so much. As the all-knowing, all-powerful Cochrane Review said, quote, Long-term effect shows no effect of acupuncture compared with sham acupuncture. There was no consistent evidence that acupuncture is superior to no treatment and no evidence that the effect of acupuncture was different from that of other anti-smoking interventions or that any particular acupuncture technique is superior to other techniques, end quote. The UDOCs go on to give specific examples of acupuncture efficacy, managing with awesome consistency to get it wrong every single time. Now, I come to this with a slightly unforgiving attitude. I am a specialist. And what defines a specialist is, in part, mastery or an attempt at mastery of the relevant medical literature. I also work in a teaching hospital. I expect my residents and medical students, when reading a paper, to get the basic concepts of the paper correct and understand some of the nuance of the papers they read. It is expected that the teaching attendings, when quoting the literature, will get it right will understand the nuance of medical literature and not cherry-pick or make things up. In other words, they have to display intellectual rigor and honesty. The UDOCs, quote, Just months ago, a Hong Kong University study of 60 insomniacs found those who got acupuncture fell asleep faster and were more likely to stay that way than those who got a fake version of the treatment, end quote. I guess they were referring to electroacupuncture for primary insomnia, randomized controlled trial, which, while not being acupuncture, 
does meet the criteria is mentioned for being the correct reference. What do the authors of the paper conclude? We found a slight advantage of electroacupuncture over placebo acupuncture in short-term treatment of primary insomnia. Because of some limitations of the current study, further studies are necessary to verify the effectiveness of acupuncture for insomnia, end quote. Not exactly a ringing endorsement of acupuncture for insomnia. Of interest, there is another acupuncture study for insomnia that used sham acupuncture, and it was equally unimpressive. Conclusion. Only modest evidence was found supporting the hypothesis that acupuncture may have an effect on insomnia. Least improvements were found in total sleep time and number of awakenings, two parameters directly associated with the definition of insomnia. Acupuncture may have a role in the treatment of insomnia, especially in combination with other treatments, such as cognitive behavioral therapy. They go on to note in the results that the treatment group experienced it was easier to wake up in the morning compared with the control group, end quote. Anybody note some irony? The treatment group woke up easier, and that was benefit for those suffering from insomnia. How? One difference between the two insomnia studies was that the second study used auricular acupuncture. They stuck needles in the ear. So what nerve or nerves associated with sleep would warrant sticking needles in the ear in one study and sticking them in another site with electricity in another? According to the UDOCs, the needles are supposed to be placed in specific sites. What anatomy and physiology could the two studies have in common? Maybe, given the laxness of definitions of the U doctors, in this context, the specific refers to anywhere. Or perhaps I'm trying to find a logical consistency in what Harriet Hall refers to as tooth fairy science. And, as a final note, the all-powerful Cochrane Review of Acupuncture and Insomnia says, quote, The small number of randomized controlled trials, together with the poor methodological quality and significant clinical heterogeneity means that the current evidence is not sufficiently extensive or rigorous to support the use of any form of acupuncture for the treatment of insomnia, end quote. Now the UDOCs say, we like this popular form of energy medicine because it's backed by an impressive body of 21st century research. I guess it doesn't take much to impress the UDOCs. Actually, the totality of the acupuncture literature is impressive in the same way that a large pig farm can be impressive. The Udocs continue. Arthritis relief. On the radio, they always seem to call it arthritis. British researchers who analyzed five well-designed studies of 1,334 people with bum knees have confirmed that acupuncture relieves debilitating joint pain related to arthritis, end quote. So what made these particular studies well-designed? Well, if the authors considered the acupuncture to be adequate, it was well-designed. Quote, We defined acupuncture as adequate if it consisted of at least six treatments, at least one per week, with at least four points needled for each painful knee for at least 20 minutes, and either needle sensation achieved in manual acupuncture or electrical stimulation of sufficient intensity to produce more than minimal sensation, end quote. And that definition of sufficient was, it seems, mostly based on the author's opinion. 
The references do not suggest this definition is derived from any prior rigorous studies. There is, by the way, no interest in whether the same specific points were used, just that a sufficiency of needles were used, more than four. There is more to a well-defined study than the author's opinion as to what constitutes adequacy of a clinical trial. There are things like, oh, I don't know, sample size, blinding, placebo-controlled, etc., etc. How good was the pain control in this study? The authors state in the discussion, quote, The size of the effect on pain was not dramatic. Recalculating the data as standardized mean difference, the effect size compared to sham acupuncture is 0.4, which is considered moderate, end quote. Another ringing endorsement for the efficacy of acupuncture. The Annals of Internal Medicine meta-analysis of acupuncture for knee pain comes to an alternative conclusion. Oh, God, I love those jokes, huh? Get it? An alternative conclusion? Oh, I'm so funny. Quote, sham controlled trials show clinically irrelevant short-term benefits of acupuncture for treating knee osteoarthritis. Waiting list controlled trials suggest clinically relevant benefits, some of which may be due to placebo or expectation. End quote. Given the great heterogeneity in the studies of acupuncture and arthritis, one can probably come to any conclusion you desire if you pick the right subset of studies. Another group of British scientists, they call themselves Oxford scientists, I suppose they don't want to be known as Cambridge scientists, did the recursive, and I suppose inspired by the Free Software Foundation, systematic review of systematic reviews of acupuncture. And they concluded, quote, Qualified support for acupuncture was originally reported in 12 of 35 systemic reviews, and strong support was found in another six. Applying stricter inclusion criteria, however, showed that none of the 35 reviews supported acupuncture, predominantly because there were too few patients in the randomized double-blind studies. Six reviews with more than 200 patients in randomized double-blind studies had good evidence of no benefit. Systematic reviews of acupuncture have overstated effectiveness by including studies that are likely to be biased. They provide no robust evidence that acupuncture works for any indication, end quote. I guess the Oxford scientists don't know an adequate trial when they see one. I wonder if the UDOCs are aware of this or if they're just cherry-picking. Yeah. On with the UDOCs. Quote, squelching pain. In a landmark German study of 1,162 back pain sufferers, twice as many got relief from acupuncture as from conventional fixes such as drugs and physical therapy. Acupuncture has also been proved at least as effective as pain drugs, not only for treating migraines, but preventing them too. End quote. This refers to the archives of internal medicine where back pain patients had real acupuncture, fake acupuncture, or standard care. The sham acupuncture was twirling a toothpick on the skin. Really. The real acupuncture where they had both individualized and standardized placement of needles, where is those specific acupuncture points we keep hearing about? And the toothpick had the same improvement in pain. Would you conclude 
that this is a landmark study showing the efficacy of acupuncture or conclude that whatever led to the pain improvement, it was not specific to acupuncture? Or do twirled toothpicks alter nerve conduction? If treatment and placebo have the same effect, one usually concludes that the treatment doth not work. Unless, of course, you never bothered to read past the press release. Most of the press releases call this study proof that acupuncture works. In the 1950s, there was a belief that ligating the mammary artery was a treatment for angina. It forced blood instead into the coronary arteries. For years, patients had their chest crack for this surgery, and it was done until there was a placebo trial where they actually did sham procedures versus real procedures and found that the outcomes were the same. It was concluded, since the sham procedure was as good as the real procedure, that mammary artery ligation does not work in the treatment of angina, and it was abandoned. Rather than abandon acupuncture, the authors of this landmark study have concluded that the sham procedure, the fake acupuncture, is acupuncture, and therefore acupuncture works. <laughs> also in the landmark study, quote, Rates of adverse experiences differed by treatment groups. Six of 157 participants for individualized acupuncture, six of 158 for standardized acupuncture, and zero of 162 for simulated acupuncture. So, if you are an ethical UDOC who reads literature carefully, and you are offered three treatments of equal efficacy, but one treatment has no side effects, would you not choose the treatment with the least side effects? If you are going to offer advice based upon a landmark study and you want to maximize efficacy and minimize side effects, how could you not recommend twirling toothpicks as the acupuncture modality of choice? Migraines, the Cochrane Review, if you want to believe them, demonstrated, quote, 14 trials compared a true acupuncture intervention with a variety of sham interventions. Pooled analyses did not show a statistically significant superiority, she shall, she shall, seashore, statistically significant superiority for true acupuncture for any outcome in any of the time windows, but the results of the single trials varied considerably. Four trials compared acupuncture to proven prophylactic drug treatment. Overall, in these trials, acupuncture was associated with a slightly better outcomes and fewer adverse effects than prophylactic treatment, end quote. When compared to sham acupuncture, real acupuncture is no better for migraines. Do you get the impression that acupuncture is no more than an elaborate nonspecific placebo effect and the only has results with subjective endpoints and only clinically irrelevant short-term benefits? Or is that just me? The UDOCs continue, and with an increasing lack of confidence by the reader in the authors. If I can find so much error in so few words, why bother to read on? I do it for you, small letters, but not you, all caps. Quote, reducing treatment side effects. Dozens of studies show acupuncture helps quell pain, nausea, fatigue, hot flashes, and dry mouth, in cancer patients undergoing chemotherapy, radiation, or both. And dozens do not. They are all hovering around no effect. Quote, three randomized controlled trials compared the effects of manual acupuncture with sham acupuncture. 
One RCT showed favorable effects of acupuncture in reducing hot flash frequency, while other two RCTs failed to do so. Or, quote, there was no difference between combined acupuncture and acupressure treatment of P6 at the sham point for the nausea score, end quote. Just where is this impressive body of 21st century research supporting acupuncture? Now, in my career, I have seen AIDS go from a nine-month death sentence to a chronic disease. I have seen invasive homophilus influenza almost disappear in children. I have seen medical achievements that boggle the mind. That's impressive. Acupuncture? Not so much. Acupuncture research is mostly a collection of poorly done studies that demonstrate marginal effects and a few definitive studies that show no efficacy. The body of 21st century research does not support acupuncture, at least if you bother to acquaint yourself with, oh, I don't know, the details of the study. As a rule of thumb, when there are multiple studies hovering around efficacious, some showing benefit and others not, it is unlikely that any clinically relevant effect is occurring. Quote, how can one therapy do so much, end quote? Well, because it doesn't. Eastern and Western medical philosophies merge when a licensed acupuncturist inserts those sterile, disposable needles into your skin. I'm sorry, but crap plus science equals crappy science. The needles may be sterile, but the photographs are all too often of bare fingers right at the insertion site. Search Google Images of Acupuncture. If you like sterile technique, the photos will give you the heebie-jeebies. Looking at Google Images, it is not surprising that there was at least one reported outbreak of MRSA due to poor acupuncture technique, or why there are articles with titles like An Outbreak of Skin and Soft Tissue Infection Caused by Mycobacterium Obsessives Following Acupuncture, end quote. Acupuncture technique evidently doesn't bother itself with the impressive body of 21st century research on germ theory and infection control. The Udocs conclude, thank God, quote, you don't have to believe in it for acupuncture to work. Not true. Case in point, veterinarians know that acupuncture often helps ailing horses, goats, cats, and dogs, including Titan, the world's biggest Great Dane, in measurable ways, such as being able to walk and run again. With animals, there's no placebo effect, although there is on the owner. It either works or it doesn't. Same for people. Many skeptical people who've tried acupuncture as a last resort become believers when they see results. End quote. I am not as well versed in the veterinary literature as I am in the human literature, although I cannot imagine that acupuncture should be any less ineffective in animals than it is in humans. As one review of veterinary acupuncture suggests, quote, on the basis of the findings of this systematic review, there is no compelling evidence to recommend or reject acupuncture for any condition in domestic animals. Why the lack of a firm conclusion? <laughs> Guess. Quote, the methodologic quality of these trials was variable, but on average was low. End quote. I guess only the Udocs find the veterinary research part of an impressive body of 21st century research. The authors of the review did not. As they say, either it works or it doesn't. Same for people. For acupuncture, it's the latter. 
And that statement from the UDOCS is as simple a dismissal of evidence in science-based medicine as I have ever read. Anecdote rules. In the end, I am left wondering, did the UDOCS read the references and not understand them? Did the UDOCS read the references and choose to interpret them in a novel way to ensure the conclusion, acupuncture works? Did the UDOCs not read the references and relied instead upon secondhand reports on the interwebs? It is a good thing that the UDOCs are not rotating on my service. Such academic scholarship would be difficult to award a passing grade, even for a 452-word essay, since it was wrong about almost every specific. However, I am one of those grumpy old-school docs who expect MDs to get it right when they read the literature, even if limited to 452 words. Now you may say to yourself, why do you care, Crystal? So what if the UDOCs want to promulgate worthless therapies? Who's it gonna hurt? What's the harm? People have a choice in whether or not they use acupuncture. At least most of us do. There are populations, however, for whom there is no choice, at least not at first. One is soldiers. You get wounded or injured on the battlefield and you get the care that is available. It's not like after a bomb blows up next to you, you can say, oh, would you take me to the university hospital? So imagine you're on patrol in Iraq. Your Humvee hits a roadside mine and you sustain major trauma and burns. The patrol comes under fire and your medical care is limited. Every minute counts. So the medical intervention that you get is Battlefield acupuncture. I kid you not. It was invented by Colonel Dr. Richard Nietzsau, if I pronounce that right. A radiation oncologist by training, but one of the Department of Defense doctors that are trained acupuncturists. And he recommends not regular acupuncture, but auricular acupuncture. He wants you to stick needles in the ears of patients who've just been wounded in battle really. His description is on the internet, on his website. Quote, The update to the battlefield acupuncture technique as recommended by Neep Zhao, and as he wrote this, so he's referring to himself in the second person, consists first of following the original protocol to determine the dominant ear. If, during this process, a single gold ASP needle reduces the pain several points down on the pain scale, and a silver or stainless steel needle may be placed just touching the gold needle to achieve an even more substantial pain reduction. Neepzow does not recommend doubling up on the gold ASP needles if there is no pain attenuation. In the course of future description of acupoints associated with this technique, Burns suggested the zone to replace the acupoint. The rationale is that the exact point may not be exactly determinable. You think, even with an electronic point finder, you think, end quote. So, you find the dominant ear, huh? You stick in one and only one gold needle. If the pain goes down, you stick a steel needle right next to it. The pain goes away. Why two needles, you ask? Quote, Neepzow, again referring to himself in the second person, you think he'd use I, postulates from observations that the addition of a second needle of a dissimilar metal 
Stainless steel or silver, in case the patient is a werewolf, just touching the gold needle will produce a small ionic current flow. This system may act like a microelectrical stimulator to the actuzone, end quote. Now, there's no data for this. PubMed has nothing on battlefield acupuncture, no clinical trials, just anecdotes and postulates. The thinnest of possible explanations, just short of divine revelation on the validity scale. And what's the result? Well, according to MSNBC, quote, Now the Air Force, which runs the military's only acupuncture clinic, is training doctors to take acupuncture to the war zones of Iraq and Afghanistan. A pilot program, aren't all programs in the Air Force pilot programs? Starting in March, will prepare 44 Air Force, Navy, and Army doctors to use acupuncture as part of emergency care in combat and in frontline hospitals, not just on the bases back home. They will learn battlefield acupuncture, a method Nipzow developed in 2001 that's derived from traditional ear acupuncture but uses short needles to better fit under combat helmets so soldiers can continue their missions with the needles inserted to relieve pain. The needles are applied to five points in the outer ear. Nipsau says most of his patients say their pain decreases within minutes. The Navy has begun a similar pilot program to train its doctors at Camp Pendleton in California. End quote. That is what the Department of Defense is going to be offering our sons and daughters who are asked to risk life and limb for us in foreign wars. You get blowed up by a bomb, you get needles in your ear. And, as usual, the photo on the MSNBC site shows the acupuncturist, identified as Dr. Nipzow, not using gloves and his fingers all over the ear. Now, there has been a huge problem with pan-resistant acinetobacter infecting wounds in Iraq, and battlefield conditions are not that clean. Just what the patient needs. Don't worry about the bleeding. Don't bother with the morphine. Just stick a needle in the ear with nothing resembling sterile technique. Dr. Niemzow is, according to his website, retiring this year, and one hopes this idea will now fade from the military. Unfortunately, Bad ideas metastasize faster than cancer. For example, there's a trauma surgeon slash acupuncturist, a Dr. Marchucci, M-A-R-C-U-C-C-I, who is suggesting this technique be used in Haiti. Really, I cannot make this stuff up. Now, are you driving a car? Are you running? Are you operating heavy machinery? Stop what you're doing. What you are about to hear may cause your entire body to freeze in disbelief, and I do not want anyone to have an injury that might require a trauma surgeon. Remember, what I'm about to quote is from a trauma surgeon. First, Dr. Machucci summarizes the Niemzow method, starting with, quote, All pain signals in the body reflex through one or both of the earlobes on its way to the brain. Unquote. I'm speechless. Really? I mean, what can I say to that? Dr. Machucci continues a summary of the reasoning used by Dr. Niepzow, but concludes that Haiti, with the natural disaster, may not have access to sterile gold needles. You think? 
Then, with modesty that befits the author of one of the Wall Street Journal's 10 best surgical sites, and I would have thought that the right lower quadrant, home of the appendix, would be a top 10 surgical site, comes up with a modification of Niemsau's technique, humbly referred to as the Marchucci technique. It is, quote, using a sharp-tipped object, such as a fingernail, the tip of a ballpoint pen, a sharp-pointed small stone, or a wood splinter that correspondingly points on the earlobes should be simultaneously manipulated by placing and holding firm pressure on the points. I shouldn't laugh. For instance, the practitioner stands behind the bed of the patient and uses the ends of their four fingernails on point one and gives firm pressure for 30 seconds. If this produces good pain control, very firm pressure is held for several minutes, unquote. Yes, you just had a building collapse on you, and the therapy suggested by your trauma surgeon pinched the earlobes with fingernails for several minutes. God. The rationale? Quote, in this situation, perhaps the lack of a wide body of level one evidence for acupuncture use and the ongoing academic dispute about its efficacy is a nicety that the medical community and Haiti cannot now afford. In other words, to boil it down to surgeon speak, it may not work, likely won't hurt, but you got to try something. End quote. Now, I know the raison d'etre of this podcast is to come up with snarky comments after reviewing the medical literature, but I cannot come up with a smart-ass comment to top suggesting poking your fingernails into your earlobes for someone who's just suffered from war or disaster trauma. (laughs) Now, I can find references to bloodletting and cupping that can also be used to treat pain. Perhaps we should add those as well to squeezing the earlobes. Every once in a while, I see an ear infection after an ear piercing gone bad. The infection, once it spreads to the cartilage, usually ends up with the ear needing to be removed. I wonder if a patient who had this happen, or Vincent Van Gogh, now has less pain as a result of losing an ear. So what's the harm of promoting acupuncture? Thinking that it's reasonable to treat vulnerable, critically ill trauma patients with worthless magic comes to mind. So, we come to another Quackcasts, and I'm sure you're all quite depressed at the thought. If you're interested, you can participate in the rest of my multimedia medical empire. Listen to my Gavado Pus, which is an infectious disease podcast. You can listen to the Puscast, a review of the infectious disease literature. I write twice a month over at the Science-Based Medicine blog, and I write every other day on my ID blog, Rubor, Dolor, Kalor, and two more. Over on Medscape. Don't forget, if you want to support this, you can click the PayPal button and send a few dimes my way. Otherwise, as always, I'm going to go play golf with my son. Talk to you guys later. Bye.